Purchase the Keep the Faith ebook and paperback on Amazon now at bit.ly slash keepthefaithbook. Keep the Faith by Ana Tejano Chapter 13 If the holiday season made me wary because I was single, Valentine's Day was downright terrifying. Maya would have said I was exaggerating, but I was really dreading it. I would have joined the legions of people complaining about it on social media had work not kept me from it. James and I had loved Valentine's Day. We celebrated it every year since we got together. Not because of the couple holiday hype, but because it was our anniversary. Five years ago, on our way home from a date, in the car he borrowed from his dad, and in the middle of Metro Manila traffic, we became officially together. I had planned to give him my answer when we got home because I wanted my parents to know about it immediately, but it was already past midnight and we were still on the road, and I just went right to it. It was a little anticlimactic compared to what I had originally planned, but it was our story. It also became the subject of jokes from my friends until Rain got into a relationship and Maya decided it wasn't worth it to make jokes about Valentine's Day when it was two couples against one. So, as the dreaded V-Day loomed, I plunged myself into all the good things that I still had in my life so I wouldn't have to think about what I had lost. I hung out with Rain and Maya more often. The three of us would have dinner together, or I'd dine with either of them at their houses. When they weren't available, I dined at my sister's and played with my niece. I took my brother to one of those superhero movies. I volunteered for grocery runs with daddy. I even tagged along with mommy in the salon once, even if it meant having to hear her talk about those days when she was working. And thank goodness for back-to-back donor presentations and fieldwork. April even let me take up some of her slots, reasoning that she had more checkups now that she was on the sixth month of her pregnancy. But I knew she knew why I was so restless. By Valentine's weekend, I was a bit more confident. My love tank was full. I had made up my mind to be glad that Valentine's Day was on Sunday, which made it an Alvarez family day, so I was sure to be distracted then. What I wasn't prepared for was the evening before V-Day. All the people I hang out with had their own plans. My parents, my sister and her husband, my brother and his girlfriend, and Rain and Mark. Even Maya was out somewhere, but she wouldn't tell us where or with whom. I hadn't bothered making any plans, because I thought the medical mission would last until late, but we were already packing up by four in the afternoon. I was assigned to handle the dental station, the last one to finish because the kids were shaking in fear at the thought of having one of our friendly dentists looking into their mouths. The other volunteers hung around with the kids to cheer them up and to hold their hands as they waited for their turn. April, who arrived there after lunch, started handing out the payments to the dentists, telling them they could leave as soon as we're done with the last kid. To avoid heavy traffic, she explained. She had been complaining about it when she arrived, and we all knew it was going to get worse. Everyone's probably headed out to dinner now, and I have to go somewhere too. You guys as well. Everyone but me, of course. I wasn't quick enough to keep from grimacing. April winced when she saw me. She quickly made her way to me and gave me a quick hug. I'm sorry, Faith. And just like that, the balloon of happiness I had carefully filled in the past weeks slowly deflated. 
leaving me with the undeniable fact that I was going to be alone tonight. There was nothing she could say that would make it sting less, so I just forced a smile. It's okay, April. Traffic is heavy tonight. I turned around and saw Nico crouching beside one of the girls in line, her hands in his as he talked to her. He looked up just as I approached. Hey, he said. What's with April? Traffic, I replied, shrugging. And Valentine's Day. Oh. I turned my attention to the girl who was still holding his hand. Alona, her name tag said. She looked at me, then partly hid behind Nico, though she looked at me shyly. I smiled back, and she took that as a sign to take my hand with her free one. Was the traffic already heavy when you got here? I asked him. Nico shook his head. He had arrived just before lunch. But I can only imagine how bad it'll be tonight. He fell silent. I glanced at him, puzzled by the neutral expression on his face. The line inched forward, and we moved forward, the little girl between us. I'm sure you have plans later, I said at the same time he asked, do you want to go out with me tonight? His last words dangled in the air. I stared at him, eyebrows raised. Nico laughed, eyes disappearing briefly with mirth. You first. He waved his free hand at me. What did you just say? My heartbeat accelerated, sending tiny flutters down my stomach, a feeling that had become familiar to me in recent months. I said, you go first. No, before that. He smiled slowly, and I noticed that the right side of his lips rose higher, as if to emphasize the dimple that popped up on that side of his face. I said, do you want to go out with me tonight? There's this birthday party I'm attending, and I want to bring someone. Why me? Because, he said, his eyes meeting mine and holding. I want you to go with me, unless you have plans. But that just inspired more questions. Why was he asking me? Why did he want me to go with him? Why didn't he ask his girlfriend? Do I want to? It was now Alona's turn at the dentist. She let out a frightened whimper, but Nico bent down and whispered something in her ear that I couldn't catch. They quickly whispered back and forth until she gave him a small nod, took a deep breath, then actually ran to the dentist. Wow, what did you tell her? I asked curiously. I told her that I had just done a brave thing, so she should be brave too, he smiled. So what do you say, french fries? Go out with me tonight? There were still so many questions that I wanted to ask, but the increased fluttering in my stomach seemed to hold my words hostage, so I just said the first thing that came to mind. Yes. Manang Rose, or Inai, as Nico called her, was not his biological mother. She lived with her family of four at San Antonio de Padua in Tondo, in a yellow house with a red roof, along a row of other brightly colored houses. She hadn't always lived there, though. Several years ago, she used to live with two other families in a shanty near the river. She had moved from the province in hopes of a better life. Her husband had died because of untreated dengue fever, leaving her to take care of her daughters alone. They lived by the river for years, with Manang Rose and her eldest daughter doing odd jobs, until the informal settlers around the river were relocated to a housing community created by another non-profit group 
that Nico worked with while he was taking his master's degree. I painted the walls inside this house, Nico said, as we partook in Manang Rose's birthday feast. She had a modest but generous spread, and she welcomed Nico and me like we were a part of her immediate family. Is that why you have a graduation picture over there? I pointed to his young face, hanging between the family picture and the college graduation picture of Manang Rose's eldest daughter. Yeah, and I asked for a copy. He turned red, and I resisted the urge to reach out and pinch one of his cheeks. Cute, I said instead, just as Emmy, Manang Rose's six-year-old kid, climbed into Nico's lap. I watched him tickle the little girl while I ate cake. After dinner, we thanked Manang Rose and bid her family good night. Nico and I went for a walk around the community. So you've been going here for what, three years? I asked. Four, he answered with a peaceful look on his face. The streets were illuminated by soft street lights and were still bustling with activity. From mothers sitting by their front doors and talking with their neighbors, to kids playing and making the most of their time before they had to sleep. Some of the older kids arrived from school, and the adults were just arriving from work, their tired faces showing joy and relief when they spotted the houses they could call their own, thanks to the generosity of the people who built the place. Nico told me he had been going back here even after they finished their project for grad school, because he had formed a special bond with the people here. He watched over the kids on days when Manang Rose had to work, and he was invited during their birthdays and fiestas, and visited even on regular days when he just wanted to get away from stress. Just like when he went to Tarlac, Nico blended in, but not so much that he became invisible. And I saw him. I really saw him. Volunteering here affirmed in me what I wanted to do, he continued, which is to serve people. Didn't your parents have any objections? After all, you were already a professor. He shook his head. They're supportive about these things. They're kind of hippies that way. They believe that everything's connected. Everything's spiritual. So you have to do your share to make the world a better place. So and so. Ha! My mom's only hippie thing was with our names. But everything else was traditional. He gave me an amused look. Let me guess. Your sister's name is Love... No, that's my mom's. His eyebrows went up as I continued. My sister's name is Joy. I'm Faith, and my younger brother is named Paul. He gave me an incredulous look. I thought he'd be named Hope or something. His second name is Courage, I said, making us both chuckle. But no one calls him that, except Mommy, when she's mad. He started laughing. Cute. Love, Joy, Courage, Faith. I like that. And if you will be able to pick any field in development work, working with kids, Nico replied immediately. As if on cue, there was a tiny shriek from the house in front of us. A little girl, about four years old, rushed out, going straight for Nico's knees. He laughed, picked up the girl, and gave her a kiss. A slightly older boy followed her outside and greeted Nico. Faith, this is Ivy, and this is Johnny. Johnny, Ivy, this is Atta Faith. Johnny smiled shyly and waved, while Ivy whispered something to Nico. He nodded at her, then he stepped closer to me so Ivy could lean over and kiss me on the cheek. Their mother soon arrived and exchanged quick hellos with Nico before herding her kids back inside. 
John used to go through garbage dumped in the river so he could find things to sell to help his family. His mom was pregnant with Ivy then, and their dad was an alcoholic, so John was practically their breadwinner. Whoa. It was terrible. They didn't want to move here, but when one of those storms hit Manila, they had no choice. Now he's in school, and Ivy's about to start too. Their mom is now one of the teachers in the school here, and their dad has sobered up and is working as a security guard at the nearby mall. I smiled, my heart swelling with joy. That's really wonderful, Nico. Not everyone has the same happy story, but seeing how their lives are transformed with a little generosity tells me I'm on the right path, you know? He glanced at me. That we're doing the right thing, being in this field. I knew exactly what he meant. And sometimes, it wasn't just with their whole stories of transformation that did us in. Sometimes all it took was a little sigh of relief, a laugh, the light coming back to their eyes that made the sacrifices we made for this kind of career worth it. Then I smiled. I think little Ivy has a crush on you. Me? No. Nico laughed. She likes my younger sister better. I stopped in my tracks. You have a sister? Nico stopped walking too and gave me a look. Yes, I do. Also a younger brother who lives in Iloilo. Just when I thought I knew him well enough, he'd reveal something like this that allowed me to see a deeper side of him. The Nico I now knew was a far cry from the person I met sleeping on my desk. He wasn't the easiest person to get to know, thanks to that image he projected, but he had shown me himself, and I liked what I was seeing. But more than that, I liked how I felt when I was with him. The days at the HQ and the hours of field work felt brighter and more fun with him around. And the nights when we'd talk, whether by phone calls or text messages, kept me from being alone. Being with him made me feel like I wasn't broken. His presence prevented me from dwelling on my failed relationship. When I was with him, I felt okay, and it was easier to see that there was more to life after the breakup. I really, really like him. Something sharp pricked my heart, stopping its furious pounding almost painfully. Because what did all these feelings mean anyway if the golden heart of this boy in front of me belonged to someone else? Nico, I said when we resumed walking. He glanced at me expectantly, and I bit my lip, hesitating, before I gathered all my courage and asked, Why did you bring me here? Because I wanted to. But why? I mean, it's the evening before Valentine's Day. I know I'm alone, but I don't need your pity. Shouldn't you be out on a date or something with your girlfriend? Forehead wrinkled, he asked, Girlfriend? You know, Lucy. You should be with her tonight, not me. I expected him to open up to me about her, to tell me that maybe they fought or broke up or something. That's why he was with me. But I didn't expect Nico to burst out laughing. He doubled over, holding his arms around his abdomen as if he was holding himself together to keep himself from literally bursting from the force of his laughter. I crossed my arms, my cheeks growing hotter as his loud guffaws drew the attention of the people around us. What's so funny? I snapped when he stopped to catch his breath. Come on, Nico said in between his chuckles. He grabbed my hand and started pulling me to the corner 
toward another street. I think it's time you met Lucy. This episode was sponsored by What Kind of Day by Mina V. Esguera. A senator's speechwriter accidentally joins a tour of his own city and through his passionate tour guide gets to experience a new side of Manila on what should have been the worst day of his career. Available on Amazon, Apple Books, Kobo, Google Books, and other retailers worldwide. Keep the Faith by Ana Tejano. Text copyright Ana Tejano. Narrated by Jade Albert. Produced by Tanya Arpa and Mina V. Esguera. Purchase the Keep the Faith ebook and paperback on Amazon now at bit.ly slash keepthefaithbook. Season 3 of the Romance Class podcast features an unabridged audio version of a novel by a Filipino author featuring a Filipino narrator. We do this to make the work of Filipino authors more accessible to more readers and introduce Filipino voices in more ways than one. Help readers find us by leaving a review or a rating in Apple Podcasts. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any podcatcher of your choice. You can find the links to subscribe on romancepodcast.com. Subscribe, share, live tweet as you listen. Add hashtag romanceclass so we can find your reactions and feedback. If you would like to sponsor this podcast, email mina at romancepodcast.com. Find more romance books by Filipino authors on romanceclassbooks.com. <laughs>